snowman was a jolly happy soul. Run, run, Rudolph! Santa's gotta make it to... Rockin' around Christmas at the Christmas party hop. Oh, come on, y'all, it's Christmas. You can laugh. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell them your favorite Christmas song. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell them your favorite Christmas song. What's your favorite Christmas song? Huh? Huh? None of those? Dude, it took me forever to convince Larry to do that video. No, but that guy's coming to lead our candlelight service tonight. Little emo Christmas Eve rock. Ah, all right. There was nothing divine about those interruptions. So today we're talking about interruptions, right? So if we think about our favorite Christmas movies, they're all built on an interruption. Are they not? Our favorite Christmas movies, think about them. They're all built on interruptions. There's Ebenezer Scrooge at George C. Scott, I think was the best Ebenezer Scrooge. And he's, his Christmas Eve sleep is interrupted by the spirits of Christmas, Right. And then there's this guy, right, Will Ferrell, buddy, right, who's accidentally transported to North Pole, raised by elves, decides he gets to find his real dad, his real family, goes back to New York, and uh, he interrupts their Christmas time, does he not? Like, he blows everybody's schedule up. And uh, how about this guy, Cousin Eddie, right? Right, Christmas vacation, I mean, Cousin Eddie comes and he interrupts the, uh, uh, the much out, planned out Griswold family Christmas, and, and that's kind of disturbing, that's why I showed it to you. But anyway, when we think about Christmas, it's built on an interruption. God interrupts mankind's plans with the birth of his son. God does some of his best work through interruptions. I uh, recently read a story about Dwight and Christie. They uh, decided to get married, and so they had this great wedding uh, celebration at the church, and then they were going to drive to his uncle's estate where the outdoor wedding reception would occur. Uh, they all drive there, you know, uh, the reception begins, everybody's enjoying the festivities. When a police car comes uh, racing down the, the lane, an officer gets out, he's got a note in his hand, and he tells Dwight, you need to call this number right away. And so uh, Dwight dials the number and he finds out that it is the number of the dialysis unit at the hospital. You see Dwight suffers from uh, kidney failure and they found a match for him. And so uh, uh, he's, he's uh, uh, challenged by the, by the hospital uh, staff to come right away because time is of the essence for this transplant. And so Dwight turns to his brand new bride, Christy, and he says, uh, should we go? And she says, of course we should go. Let's go right now. So they jump in the car, they drive to the hospital, and their honeymoon was spent uh, in a hospital room. And their minister, who uh, summed it up so well, he said, uh, Jesus performed his first miracle uh, during an interruption at a wedding, but Dwight and Christy, he interrupted their wedding to perform a miracle. God does some of his best work in the interruptions of our lives. As a matter of fact, God reveals himself in the interruptions of our lives and seldom in our plans. Anybody want to say amen? Yeah, I mean, it's not that God doesn't work on our plans because I think he does, especially those plans that we bring before him and pray and take a step and pray, take a step. But 
I just want to say that like those pivotal moments where God shows up in our life in a huge way, we never saw coming. We never saw it coming. And so uh, I suppose all of us have either experienced a divine interruption or we know someone. A friend of mine uh, got a uh, finance master's degree at Virginia Tech and thought he was going to go into the banking industry and uh, winds up right now he's executive minister at Belmont Christian Church. I mean, like in, right outside of Blacksburg. And so I had another friend who was diagnosed with terminal cancer, six months to live. Guess what? God interrupted those plans, healed that man, and uh, he's still living today. I had another friend who had a car for sale, um, and uh, he decided that he was going to sell this car for such and such dollars, and God stepped into his world and interrupted his plan for the sale, and he gave it uh, to a family in need. God does some of his best work in the interruptions of our life. And here's the thing. Our response to God's divine interruptions reveal a lot about who we are in Christ. Reveal a lot about how much you trust Him. Reveal a lot about what we think is most important in our lives. So in the Christmas story, there are these interruptions that take place that reveal things about the people that are, whose lives are being interrupted. And so the first interruption we're going to look at is this old man and old woman, Zachariah, and Elizabeth, right? And so Zechariah, he's, he's a priest in the temple. His name means uh, Yahweh remembers. And we read about this one day when Zechariah was serving God in the temple. For his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priest. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a, gra- a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing right in front of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken, of course, and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. So a little bit of background, a little bit of context. Maybe this is the first time you're checking in to, this, to some details of this story. But there were 24 courses of priests who served in the temple of Jerusalem during that time. There were many priests in each course, each group, all right? And so you were chosen by lot to burn the incense in the inner uh, sanctum of the temple. We call that the Holy of Holies, this 30 by 30 cube uh, surrounded by gold. And you were in there all by yourself. And so it's a once in a lifetime honor to go in there. And Zachariah is chosen to go in there by lot. And so he goes in there. And, you know, he's, he's reverently and, you know, very sanctimonious, like he's moving around, doing things just the right way and, and, and burning the incense. And then he turns around and, ta-da, there's the angel Gabriel. Hey, I got something to talk to you about, right? I mean, uh, Gabriel, he's, he's got a tendency to do that throughout this whole story. But here's what he tells him. He says, don't be afraid, Zachariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the, with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn their, the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. 
He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Really? You just snuck up behind me, you angelic host, right? And so God interrupts Zach's church service to tell him something very important, that he's going to be a dad at this old age in his life. And a son will take the Nazarite vow. What's the Nazarite vow? No bick, no booze, no body, right? So we had a professor at Johnson that used to help us remember what a Nazarite vow was. No bick, you can't shave. Your hair just grows and grows and grows. We got, we got a guy just come back from the mission field. His hair is growing, growing, and growing, right? I don't know what they do in Australia, but apparently they don't have barbers. But anyway, uh, no, so no bick, uh, uh, no booze. That's obvious, you know, no, no alcoholic beverages, and then no touching dead things. So... This son, John the baptizer, will prepare the way of Jesus' arrival. And so, um, has God ever stepped into your quiet little church service and interrupted your life? Huh? Right? Has God ever, like, spoken to you, nudged you, pushed you in a direction you weren't planning on going, awakened you to some need in your life, steered you in another direction... During church service, have you ever had that happen to you? I certainly have. Come on. Can I get a witness? Is anybody listening? I'm preaching way better than you're listening, so I expect you to get on board with me and help. Come on. Have you ever felt God nudging you in church service? Can anybody say yes? I have had that happen, right? All right. Come on. Get get, get with it here. Hey, this is Christmas, y'all. All All right. Let's go. So uh, God is nudging Zachariah. And how will Zechariah respond, right, to this divine interruption in his life? Well, when Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring to you this good news. And behold... You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So how does Zach respond? With doubt. Now, Zach's a Jew. And in the history of the Hebrew people, there's a very famous story about a very famous couple, Abe and Sarah, right? Abraham and Sarah. And God visits them and tells them that they're going to have a son in their old age. And so Zach should have known this. And so what Zach doubts is God's ability to do this. Even though there's a history, a very famous story in his religious history about God doing these types of things. And so it's important that we see that his initial response is one of doubting God's ability to do things. Hey, Cornerstone, what if God sent an angel to walk in this place? And the angel said, Behold, Cornerstone, you will be a force to bring God's love to this Southside Virginia and introduce people to what a, a beautiful home is and what walking in the righteousness of Jesus is and, and to lead people into breaking the bondage of addiction or, or whatever it might be, like... Has God not used people who are in remote places, the most unlikely candidates, to do the most amazing things? If God is speaking to us to do amazing things, should we doubt Him or trust Him? Yeah, let me try that again. Let me set you up one more time, all right? Should we doubt Him or trust Him? Oh, yeah, there you go. All right, all right. So, Zach, 
He responds with some doubt. And so here's the thing. If God interrupts your quiet church experience with a bold promise or challenge to trust him, trust him, right? Trust him. Trust him. God, God, I have witnessed broken people in this place. I've witnessed couples whose marriage is on the rocks thinking it is over come forward and surrender their lives to him and, and just, just, just amazing rebound of what, we, what they thought was impossible. Can God not do impossible things? I think that, uh, the angel Gabriel says something like that, right? I've witnessed people who, are, who have been alcoholics for decades be delivered from that bondage. God can do amazing things. God can do amazing things. And so... I just want you to understand that God is communicating to people in a worship service. And we should encourage one another to trust and obey because God can do amazing things. Now, the next interruption we're going to read about in this Christmas story happens to a 14-year-old teenager. And her name is Mary. And he, Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and and his kingdom there shall be no end. What's God interrupt in Mary's life? Well... Her wedding plans, blown up. Her social life, blown up. A quiet little Christmas dinner, which I know they have Christmas dinners, but let's just say they had like a little dinner. Like, can you imagine telling your mom and dad, "Um, I I got something to talk to you about. (laughs) What an awkward conversation that was going to be. And then that conversation that she would have with her husband-to-be, Joseph. I mean, God interrupts her whole world. But aren't you glad that she welcomed that interruption into her life. For we have all been blessed by Mary's willingness. For the rest of her life, that divine interruption will cause her to wear a scarlet A on her blouse. For the rest of her life, people will think that her first child was out of wedlock and think that Joseph was a fool in marrying this, uh, this woman who was not chaste, not a virgin when he married her. And so, I mean, this... Mary responds now with a question. It's different than Zachariah's, but listen to this. She says, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Her question is not one of doubt, but of wonder. She doesn't doubt God's ability, but she says, I'm not even married. Like, how am I going to have this this child? And so she's asking, asking like, how will it be done? And the Holy Spirit, I mean, the, the angel responds this way. Gabriel said, for nothing will be impossible with God. Is that not good news? Some of you walked in here and you're facing an impossible situation. Or you have a friend or a family facing an impossible situation. Did you hear what Gabriel said? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's her one question. That's the answer she gets. And I just love how Mary does not badger Gabriel with a bunch of questions. My wife could have never been the Virgin Mary. She's always asking questions. Like I go, hey, honey, guess what happened today? I tell her something, and she go, well, what about that? Uh, I didn't ask that, honey. I mean, you know, 
well, where, when's all this going to take place? I, honey, I don't know. I, I'm not telling you anything anymore. You got too many questions, right? I don't know. I don't know if you have married to one like that, but my wife likes to know all the details. And most of us guys were like, yeah, there's something going on sometime, somewhere. And so anyway, uh, <laughs> was what the audience say? All right. All right. Yeah. Somebody say amen. Somebody say just keep going. Uh, my wife's in the nursery, so you guys can't tell her anything. But Mary responds to God's interruption with this great faith. She didn't understand how, but she's willing. Are you not glad that she's willing? And her willingness to accept God's interruption into her life blesses all mankind, even those who live by faith before her. And so if God interrupts your old life with the promise of new life, say it with me, trust him. Folks, one of the best things God can do in any of our lives is blow it up. Change everything. Change address, what you drive, how you spend your money, who you hang out with, what you do, what you don't drink, what you do drink, what you don't smoke, what you do smoke. Well, hold on a minute. You know what I'm saying. God loves to step into our lives and change the course of direction. And many times... It, we are headed in the wrong direction. We may not even know it. We, maybe this is all we know. But trust God when He interrupts your world. I read a story recently in a medical journal uh, about Dr. Carol Tanksley. She grew up in what she calls a terribly dysfunctional home. And by the mid-1990s, she was so emotionally disturbed, she couldn't even hardly function. She said she saw mental health professionals, but nothing was working. She describes that if nothing changed in her life, she would have taken her own life. Uh, but she accepted an invitation to a good Friday service. And when she goes there, she was just blown away about the minister's description about God's love for people. And she was just overwhelmed that God could love someone like her. And then he said at the conclusion of the sermon, he said, if you don't know that when your life is over, you will spend eternity with God, please come forward. And she said, at that moment, something became alive in me, something that wasn't there before. I met Jesus personally, and it changed everything. And this former atheist, who interestingly enough is an obstetrician uh, and a gynecologist, she, she gave her life to Jesus Christ, and now she lives by faith. Just think about that. I just am amazed at what God can do. We think like, I hope you're inviting people to church, wherever you go to church. I hope you invite people to come worship with you. Because we think it's all about like, you know, our slick presentation or our invitation, you know, or, or, or like the coffee's good. And, and sometimes that w- I would not go to church they had bad coffee. But anyway, because that is the holy drink. But, uh, but anyway... <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not anywhere in my notes. Um, <laughs> God does amazing things if people will just show up, if they just receive an invitation. I've heard all kinds of statistics out there. Most people would come to church if someone just invited them, and it's true. It really is. The next divine interruption happens to Joseph. It happens to him in a dream. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, Mary, right? was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided, after he hears she's pregnant, he decided to break the engagement quietly. And he considered this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph accepts this divine interruption to his plan, which was to divorce her quietly, right? Uh, And he accepts Gabriel's invitation, God's interruption uh, in his life, and he does it with with this quiet humility. How many wives in this room wish their husbands would just be quiet and do what the Lord said? I'm meddling. They got really quiet. Pin drop. Uh, How many husbands would love for their wives to quietly accept the instruction of the Lord, right? I mean, don't you love what how Joseph handles this? He doesn't say a word. I guess I guess he had nothing profound to say. He just went, yeah. I mean, that's all we get, right? And I've always been kind of you know questioning that. Like we have no no recorded words from Joseph. But anyway. He does that, you know, they get on a, on a donkey and they ride to Bethlehem and any pregnant woman who rides to Bethlehem on a donkey, you know her water's going to break. She's going to give birth at the end of that journey and so she does. And so it seems like Joseph's world is blown up at first, but quite the opposite. He's actually restoring, being, he's part of the restoring of all the brokenness that's in this world. And he accepts this invitation that changes all his plans. Joseph Tenney says, interruptions are God's invitations to experience true life, to wake up to what is around us, that there is more to life than our self-appointed tasks for the day. How is your daily planner look, whether you keep it on the phone or you write it down? I mean, is it so jammed packed that God can't interrupt your life for that day? You might miss... One of God's interruptions because your schedule is so demanding, so constricted. And how do you do this? How do you prepare yourself for God's interruption? Well, I use this prayer. I've said it to you before, but I'll say it to you again. I use the acronym of love to pray this prayer. So L starts with, I listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I, in my prayer, I say, God, help me be sensitive to what your nudges are today. What you want me to do. O stands for offer a helping hand. If I see somebody in need and I can help, I jump up to help. Because in that helping might be a blessing to them and I might receive a blessing back. Who knows? V stands for visualize Jesus' ministry. So as I read the Gospels and I see how Jesus loves his enemies and prays for those who persecute him and those types of things, I'm like, okay, that's what I got to do, right? Because Jesus... Is, is the model for every human on how to live. And then E stands for eat with sinners. I sure hope that at your dinner table, there are people who are distant from God from time to time. I mean, because is that not one of the main ways Jesus introduced himself and his gospel and his kingdom to people who were far from it? He ate dinner with them. Are our lives so closed off 
that we never have any fellowship with people who are distant from God. You can handle a dirty joke. You can handle their whatever. Trust me, God wants us to eat with sinners. And so I just, you know, just start with praying for more sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in your life. So in this story thus far, we've had, we've had Zachariah respond to God's interruption with doubt. We've had Mary respond with this humble obedience and then launch in praise. You know, Mary's song that comes after that, this beautiful, beautiful hymn that she writes. And then we have Joseph respond with this quiet humility. But there's one more invitation that I want us to contemplate, the shepherds, right? That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that, that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. This Gabriel guy, like, when I get to heaven... I'm going to find out where his room is in the mansion. I'm going to sneak into his closet. And I'm going to wait till he comes back from some worship service. And then when he's coming in his room, I'm going to pop out and go, Behold! And see if I can scare him, right? I mean, this guy, he's got this, he's got this thing. I don't know if they train him in angel school this way or something like that. Here's how you got to do it. You got to scare everybody, you know. And uh, <laughs> I just think it's hilarious how he does this. But... Hey, y'all, it's Christmas. Is anybody joyful right here? Come on now. Yeah, we got some joy, right? So uh, anyway, God, God invites this group of people, these shepherds, to be part of this birth of his son. And they were one of the lowest classes of people in really, really in the world because not only the Jews see them as outcasts because they're always working around sheep and they're dirty and they're smelly, but some of them very possibly could have been Gentiles, non-Jews, or half-breed Samaritans. And uh, at any rate, they're all ceremonial uh, unclean. They'd have to go through a purification process to come into a synagogue or a temple. And so here they are minding these sheep, and God invites them through this angelic uh, host, Gabriel, to, to come and view the, uh, the, this Christ child. And so, so we have, you know, we have the religious elite, Zechariah. We have a, a, a humble blue-collar guy, uh, Joseph. We have Mary, who's also this humble young 14-year-old girl. And then these guys. And, the, and, and they're all part of God's plan. They're all invited through a great interruption into their life. And so uh, we have this suddenly. So again, I, I'm sure they teach us in angel school. The angels, you know, bang, there are a whole bunch more in the sky. All were joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest of heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger, and seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. So, you know, these shepherds, they come and they serve a great purpose in Mary and Joseph's life. They come there with this story about the host of heaven telling them to come here. 
And they're reminding Mary, because we read about Mary treasured all these things up into her heart. They're reminding Mary and Joseph that this is God's plan. Because they're sitting in a cave surrounded by animal doo-doo, and, it, and, and they, they don't have any money, right? They're, they're, they're feeling very alone. They're separated from their extended family. He probably didn't want them around anyway because they had this weird story about, you know, that. And, and so, so here come these shepherds, and they said, you wouldn't believe what happened to us at work tonight. We were surrounded by these angels, and they told us to come here. And they began to describe it. This is the Christ child. This is the Messiah. I don't know about you, but I've had those moments where God has led me, nudged me, brought me to a place, and I was for sure this is what God wants me to do. And about a week into it, no, nope, sometimes it's a day into it, no, nope, sometimes it's about 15 minutes into God's plan, I begin to doubt. Have you ever had that happen? So you begin to doubt, is this what God really wants me to do? And then someone comes along and says, hey, bro, I, I just, I know God's hands on your shoulder. I know he's leading. So we need to encourage one another. And that's what these shepherds do. And for those shepherds to go into that Jewish town, Bethlehem, the house of bread, right? For those guys to walk in there, they have to overcome their shame and guilt to, be in, to, to, to accept God's interruption in their life. They had to, you know, be bold enough to walk into town, stinky shepherds, those who were ceremonially unclean. They have to be able to walk in there and do what God has asked them to go find this child. And they do it. And so they overcame their shame to accept God's invitation into their life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says in his book, Life Together, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God God will constantly be crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and requests. We may pass them by preoccupied with more important tasks. It is a strange fact that Christians, even ministers, frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will, uh, that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they are doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's crooked yet straight path. It's true. Like God is constantly inviting us into his plan because we've got our own plans and we don't pray off over our own plans enough to realize that God wants to be involved in how we plan out our lives, our days. So here's the thing. God interrupts our plans for his eternal purpose. That's one of the big truths of the Christmas story. God interrupts our plans. You know, the Hebrew writer says, that at just the right time, God brought his Savior into the world. But to our vision, it did not look like the right time. But to God's vision, it was just the right time. And what's this eternal purpose? Restoring the broken relationship that, that was caused by sin. And so God is stepping in to our lives to interrupt it. And whenever God steps into your life to interrupt you, it's a big deal. Because God is inviting you in this interruption to be part of something that he's doing. And you get to say yes or no. He won't force his will upon you. So maybe what you expected in church this morning has been interrupted by a leading of the Holy Spirit who's stepping into your life and saying, have you considered helping this person? You've got one more empty chair at your Christmas table, like your dinner, right? Invite that person. Maybe God, right now, is interrupting a bad plan you have laid out in your mind. 
Maybe God is trying to step on your decision to do something that is not wise. And you're wondering, why aren't things working out right? And God's like, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm blowing up your world so that I, you know, I want to work with you, but you have to work with me. Maybe, maybe God is going to interrupt your retirement plans to build his kingdom. That's what happened to my dad. My dad felt the leading of the Holy Spirit at the age of 59, took early retirement, cashed it all in, sold the house, went to Bible college, and then on to seminary and, uh, and served the local church. You ever thought about God blowing up your retirement plans? All that stuff you save for? All those fancy companies that have all those fancy plans about how, how, your, how your sunset golden years should look like? Maybe God wants to say, you're not ever retiring. Actually, you're going to retire when you get to heaven, right? My retirement plan is out of this world. You can join me there, all right? So God, God can blow up our plans. And no story in the Bible is so filled with these unexpected interruptions as this birth of Jesus. I mean, that is certainly one of the things that we should see, that God does the unexpected. It interrupts everyone's plans, and it reveals their trust in Him. So, the question is, God, is He interrupting your world right now to do something amazing? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to just wade into this great story. Many of us have heard it many times, and yet we never, never cease to glean something new, something afresh, something beautiful, because the way you do things is a marvel. It's a mystery. It's, it's something to behold. And so, Father, I know that you're working in this place we have prayed for your arrival to be here today. And we know your spirit is here today. And we know there are people here who have all kinds of plans. And, 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 and maybe, you're, maybe you're trying to interrupt some of them to, to get your will done for maybe somebody else. Or maybe there's someone here who, who thinks they're, they've, they've got a bad plan. And God's like, look, will you follow me through this mess? I can do something amazing. So, God, I don't know what it is, but I know that you're at work. And when we find out about it, we'll say something like this. We never saw that coming, Jesus. We never saw that coming. Father, thank you for being the God of mystery. And it's in his name, that Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen.